You're listening to Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verblin, and the star of our show, Jeffrey Mark. In a nutshell, you know, looking over all the different personalities that have been in the Army's Army, um, do you think it's fulfilled its, its destiny? It's a funny thing you should ask that. Uh, I have temporarily taken over the group now. The group has been meeting online all during uh, the COVID problem. Uh, and I think it'll remain online for a while. It'll take a while before we can find a private place to meet where 30 people can meet in the same room together and take off their masks and eat food. Uh, and a lot of our, our members are aging to the point where they really can't come physically come to a meeting, but they can do it online. So the future of the group is a little up in the air. I would like to bring in some young talent. When I say young talent, I don't mean embryos. I mean, you know, 45, 50 year old men who work in the business, who do comedy, who would like to get some older mentors and learn and also bring the group into the 21st century as best it can. I'd like to see us perform again and start raising money to help people. The problem with that, of course, is twofold or threefold. One is getting the young people. I have some young people who are wonderful names you've seen on Comedy Central who would like to be a part of the group. Uh, who knows how long they'd stay. I don't know if all people in entertainment are this egotistical but comedians, maybe because they're not singing, they're not dancing, they're not acting. It's their own comedy. They rise and fall on their own talent. And they're very protective. We've had problems in the past with people like, where's that money going? I want some of it for performing. I don't want to do it for free. I'm a professional. Who gets to choose? Who gets the money? How much do we have? One person who shall go nameless was booking himself as Yarmie's army and not giving any of the money to the group. Wow. So there's questions as to, can I do what my vision would be? Or are we going to be a group of friends who will keep meeting till the last man stands? And my only ego in this is if we do that, I hope I'm the last man standing as much as I, detest and I'm sad at having to lose people. I, I mean, that I was close friends with, I'd rather be the one mourning than the one being mourned for. So we're going to see which way the group goes, but for right now it is an online presence. And um, if anybody out there has questions for the group, you can find me on Facebook and I'll be very happy to bring the, or you can send questions to Ray Carr and to Cindy Verbalin and they'll, they'll get them to me and I'll be very happy to bring them to the group and give you some answers. But uh, I, I don't know where we're going. It, it really is a question mark right now. Throughout the years, is there a particular star that we may not be aware of that has really delivered a lot to keeping the group going now with you excluded, of course, but you know, I mean, there's many people that have been in the Army's Army. Anybody that we might go, wow, I did not know that. Or that person worked extremely hard to, you know, but, you know, in a benevolent sense. 
Well, there have been a couple of men after me. I gave up doing the calls and sweeping up, um, oh, seven or eight years ago because I live in the desert and it was becoming difficult for me to get in for the meetings. It's, it's a drive, two and a half hour drive each way, dinner for two people, Ooh. parking. So it's like a couple of hundred dollars to come in and have lousy Jewish deli. So, so two other men who you don't know, you've never heard of them, took over doing the phone calls and things. And God bless them for doing that. There weren't people who were not known. Uh, Dick Reardon was wonderful. For three or four years, uh, he has a restaurant on the water in Malibu and allowed us to come in as a group with wives and girlfriends and nieces and provided a full steak and lawless to dinner for all of us. Uh, that was tremendously benevolent of him to do. Uh, there were people who were not in the group, like Beverly Garland. Beverly had, uh, bless her heart, who I met when I was eight years old on the set of- um, My Three Sons? And no, Pistols and Petticoats, even before My Three Sons. And Sheridan was the guest star that week. And both ladies let me sit on their laps and run lines with them. It was my eighth birthday. But that's a good story for another time. Point, point being that Beverly took her show business money and bought a Holiday Inn. And it was Beverly Garland's. And it became the place where uh, the Hollywood uh, autograph shows took place there. And Bev uh, did a lot of show business charity things there and would let us come and be a part of it and, and uh, make some money. So, so Beverly was very supportive of the group. Phyllis Diller was very supportive of the group. Uh, Suzanne Plachette was very supportive of the group. There were comedians like Buddy Hackett that just by being there supported the group. Uh, Buddy was an enigma to me. And I believe we've talked about this before. Perhaps, I don't know if we did it in person or, or we did it on the air. If I'm repeating myself, well, guys, you're hearing a story for the second time. Buddy had a big problem with my being gay and was not shy about calling me a faggot, quite frankly. And yet he always sat next to me. He had this neurosis about wearing red mittens on his hands. He, he, I guess he thought it helped his arthritis. But they were there while he was eating every time I saw him. And he was outrageously funny, except I didn't like being called names. And he made other people uncomfortable by calling me names. But boy, was he funny. And uh, what do you do? What do you do when you come across someone like that? Uh, you, you, you tolerate it for the sake of the group. He knew where I stood. Uh, he had stopped calling me names to my face. He did it behind my back. And people would say, buddy, don't do that. Who knows what demons in his life? I've been told there were some demons that caused him to be sensitive about the subject. Not my business, not my concern. I went to Buddy's funeral. I wasn't one of the speakers, but I went there out of respect. I'd known him for many years. I had dinner with him a couple hundred times. And out of respect, I went to Buddy's funeral. 
but people like that just by being there. Gary Owens, just by being there. Johnny Winters, Kevin Spacey, just by being there, elevated the group. Because Kevin Spacey became a member, uh, we were asked by Emmy Magazine, the magazine of the Emmy Awards, we were given um, a centerfold, I don't know what else to call it, uh, of the whole group together, all of us, over several pages in the middle of the magazine because of Kevin, because he was a red hot movie actor at that moment. Uh, I like Kevin. I do not for one second believe the accusations put in front of him. Is Kevin gay? Sure, he's gay. Do you like younger men? Of course he likes younger men. He would have two young men, not boys, over 18 men with him every time we had dinner together, he and I. But they were men. I never heard any discussion of youngsters or having any kind of um, passion for youngsters or nothing like that. Uh, one would think if that was his cause celeb in his private life, that if you were having dinner with him with two attractive young men, the subject might come up because we were there we were four of us gay men sitting at a table alone. Never came up. Nothing like that ever came up. Uh, but but Kevin was a presence. Jeffrey, you mentioned you you were the only openly gay person, but you had not mentioned that Kevin Spacey, who was apparently a member, was also gay when you said no. that. Well, because the operative words there were openly gay. Uh, there may have been other men in that room who were bisexual or who had been gay friendly at some point in their lives. When Kevin was a member of the group, it was at the height of his being a movie star. He did not discuss openly being gay with the press. I mean, he discussed it with me when, when, when we would meet separately and have dinner and he'd bring some young gentlemen along. We discussed the general subject. Also at Yarmi's army, it's a very funny thing. All the years I went, the men did not discuss their wives. They did not discuss their girlfriends. If one of their children did graduated from being a doctor or they just had a new grandchild, it would be mentioned and we'd all applaud Mazel Tov. But they didn't discuss their personal sex lives at Yarmi's army. Uh, so even if Kevin had been openly gay, he wouldn't have discussed it, but he wasn't. So uh, I stand on my sentence. Everybody there knew I was gay and I was the only openly gay one of the group there. Okay. Uh, there were people like Kevin who would be with us for a few years and then would get bored or, you know, Kevin would be away for months, sometimes shooting a film. Steve Landisberg joined us. And after a while, Steve said to me, Jeff, you know, I, I had my family late in life and I've got a wife and children. I'll come and perform for you. I'll help you raise money. You can use my name for publicity. But why do I want to sit around with a bunch of old Jews telling stories when I could be home with my wife and children enjoying their company? So after a while, Steve didn't come to the meetings. So that would happen. Uh, comedians like Jan Murray would show up once in a while as guests. All kinds of wonderful people would show up as a guest once in a while. It was a very open group. Interesting. 
You know, you mentioned earlier about being blackballed and you, you only can be blackballed one time and you're out of the group. Right. What are some of the things that would cause somebody to be blackballed? If they were known to be a stealer of material, if they were known to be, I'll have to translate, a ganif. If they were known to not show up for bookings or uh, badmouth other comedians or undercut other people, if they were known to be something less than professionals, they would get blackballed. Uh, as I said, if they were known for stealing material, because those comedians wouldn't tolerate that. Um, if they felt that the person really had not had a career in comedy on one level or another, uh, there were you know, the friends of friends kind of thing. Now, in today's Yarmie's Army, there are friends of friends because we've lost so many people that what we're left with, it's, I'm not disparaging the lovely men who are a part of the group now, but they are not the stars of the caliber that we're talking about. But before that, you had, a, you had to be known. Um, what got me in was my willingness to do stuff for free Emmy Award, Grammy nominee, that gave me gravitas. That's how I got in. And Jack Riley spoke up for me and Chuck McCann spoke up for me. The people in the group who already knew me, Peter Marshall already knew me. So uh, I was vetted with no problem. I only saw a couple of people get blackballed through the years. Uh, one was, I won't say names, but one was a comedy producer of, of sitcoms, well-known. Uh, hit sitcoms and a member of the group who was a writer for the Johnny Carson tonight show years, didn't like him, didn't trust him and didn't want him in the group. And I gave that two years until I told the person, look, you're not coming to our meetings anymore. Anyway, you're not writing material for us. You're not supporting our shows. I'm not asking you to not be a member. I'm asking you to stop voting because I can understand there's contention if you don't like each other, but if you're not going to be here, what difference does it make? And he agreed. And the person got in and immediately turned around and shafted me. So, uh, you know, every, every good turn gets a slap in the face sometimes, but there, there weren't very many people. There were people who were bandied about and just in the discussion of their names, people, yeah, we don't want them here. So there, there was never a vote, but, when it actually went to a vote, I only saw a couple of black balls. What about arguing or having some kind of a major disagreement during a meeting? Has that ever happened? 30 comedians over the age of 50, except for me, and two thirds of them are Jewish. And you're wondering if there were ever arguments. There were never, <laughs> there were never not arguments. Well, I know there, there's arguments and then there's arguments. I mean, Ray, course... Ray Carr, an unhappy Jew is a happy Jew. So they were happy to be arguing. It's, 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 it's part of the background of those Jewish men of those generations. That's how everybody's homes were talking loud, arguing, no, you don't know what you're talking about kind of stuff. Uh, 
I just, I would just sit there and laugh. I never got involved in that kind of stuff. The only way I got involved was, I'll give you a good example. There was a line one of them was using in his act. And they'd used it at the Army's Army show. The next dinner we had, it became an argument because somebody in the group claimed they wrote the line and they used it first. And they gave a year and a time when they first used it. Then somebody else in the group says, you're full of it. I wrote that line and I was using it. Da, 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 da. And they started shouting at each other. And I waited for a calm moment. I raised my hand and, and I think how I was happy to hear any voice of reason at this time. They called on me. I said, that line was written in 1957 by Milt Josephsburg for Jack Benny to use in his live act. And that ended all the discussion and all the arguing because I was right. And they knew I was right because they didn't think anyone else would know enough to question it. So I know enough about the history that when they start arguing over baloney, I would say, excuse me, here's the history. Here's how it was. You want to argue about something, argue about something that's worth arguing over. This isn't worth it, gentlemen, because you're going to look stupid in a minute. So when I raised my hands after a while, it just started to calm. They, uh oh, Jeff's coming. Got to shut up. So yeah. I was the voice of reason and the voice of truth sometimes. Interesting. You know, Jeffrey, I, I did learn a lot about this, and I do have one more question, if I may. Please. Now, you know a lot about the world of entertainment, especially Hollywood, more than anybody I've ever talked to before. Thank you. Within the group, who would you say is one of the most well-read, educated uh, people of Hollywood that you would call somebody that would be a, a, a peer of yours? that you'd respect that knows a lot? Oh, of people who are of my age, you mean? Of well, no, people, people of the Army's Army group oh. that really uh, know their stuff. Uh, Shelley Berman was well-educated. Jack Riley was well, really well-educated. Jack knew a lot of show business history. Sometimes the comedy writers knew more about the history than the comedians did. Howard Storm is a fountain of stories about working with organized crime back when they used to own all the clubs. He's got wonderful, hysterical, fascinating stories of working with the boys at a time when they treated us really well. Um, I always loved how Frank Sinatra got slammed for having ties to organized crime. We all did. You could not work in a nightclub in any major city and not work for these people. You couldn't work in Las Vegas and not work for these people. You couldn't work in, in the Catskills or Miami Beach or Puerto Rico and not work for these people. And you know what? They were incredible bosses. They, they treated us like gold, paid really well. And there are a lot of funny stories involved with that. So Howie was a fountain of that kind of thing. But in the Army's Army itself, most of these guys were, were concerned with their own careers, their own histories. I was really the only one there who could take a step back and go, all right, I've got the big picture here. So I didn't have a peer in the room like that. Like you turned to me, they turned to me. Once they realized what I knew, I became the historian. So once again, it was Jeffrey Mark. Great. I enjoyed it, Jeffrey. Thank you. Oh, I love talking about these men I loved them dearly.
all of them, except for a very few, were close friends of mine. I miss them terribly. I love the group. I hope it continues another 30 years with young blood because it's a worthwhile thing. And I'm happy to have brought this to you guys who were listening. We hope you had fun with it. And uh, like I said, any questions about this group, contact Ray or Cindy, contact me on Facebook. I'll be very happy to answer. So until next time, this is Jeffrey Mark on behalf of Ray Carr and Cindy Rubelin saying, have a happy, God bless, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.